the great Canadian talk show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast, Episode 9 of Season 2. Thank you for joining us. Um, Kenny actually will be joining me uh, in the uh, next segment. Uh, I'm going to be going solo here to kick off the show. Thank you to uh, all of you for listening. We got we enjoyed really good response and good numbers uh, for our uh, interview with Peter Young about Bobby Hall, the legacy of Bobby Hall. I have a, actually a really nice... Um, email that I got about that program that I'm going to uh, read in a second. Um, and again, coverage, even in the realm of sports, you know, we try to provide coverage that's unique and that has institutional, demonstrates institutional memory and institutional knowledge. Um, uh, and so uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. And please spread the word. Also, there's a, and I'll, I'll drop the link into this uh, podcast description. Um there's a, an, an edited highlights version, uh, so to speak, of uh, Peter Young and myself talking uh, about uh, Peter in particular, bringing forward I- examples of Bobby Hull's, uh, how he, re- uh, you know, what what it was like him, the way he treated fa- the fans, uh, and the experiences of, of other people that uh, that knew him, some familiar names, uh, perhaps, and and that oh, that's eleven minutes easier to listen to for some of you, I realize, uh, than an you know an hour and twenty minutes. But I want you to get a, a taste, a flavor of what it is that we do here and what it is we are capable of doing here and what uh, we we want to incorporate to the mix of uh, of uh, what we've offered starting over on Kick FM uh, in uh, the good old days and now here uh, uh, coming back. And I will be, believe it or not, we will be moving back to what brought us back to the podcast table uh, in this calendar year, which is the upcoming Manitoba 2023 election, but let me get rid of the, uh, the other business first, uh, so to speak. Um, uh, the interview with Peter Young, here's an email that we, that, uh, that we got. A great interview with Peter Young. You've had some, we've had some great and, uh, some great and some colorful sportscasters here over the years. Just a damn shame how most of the news shows, meaning the dinner time, uh, uh, you know, newscasts have sacked all their sports people. It wasn't just pro sports they covered, but amateur university and everything in between. That's an important point. I don't know if they ever if they will ever put up a statue of Bobby Hall. I somehow think they are reserved for the Jets Saints, like Howard Chuck and Solani. Generally speaking, the new Jets owners have been commended by former players for taking a more expansive view of what constitutes an ex-Jet. The treatment of the vets I've heard has been one that has left many grateful. Um. I would go so far as to say the new Jets organization has been good in recognizing the greatness of Hull as a hockey player and what he meant to Winnipeg while carving out their own legacy. You see, not only do we get really nice uh, emails, but we get emails that are full of insight, full of knowledge, uh, full of, uh, uh, honestly, like wisdom. I learn, I'm lucky, I've got a listener base that I can learn from uh, and, and and you know, learn, um, you know, d- learn to understand how other people perceive things. Not really a lot different than me sometimes. In this case, the greatness of Hall as a hockey player. Uh, This email touching on his personal issues that alcohol was a huge factor. In today's NHL, there is far more help for players who are spiraling. And I think I briefly touched on that point. Um, 
and and continue to do so that when you start when all, all these uh, uh, other pundits and broadcast you know modern day broadcasters and uh, and scribes they comment about a society that was vastly different and the structure of it was different and um, it's easy to pass judgment uh, with the benefit of not just that kind of hindsight but with the odor of superiority that permeates for many people look look back and look down in the way they do on the experience of families of people around the around hockey and other such things uh there's far more help for women who are hurt, as you know from from your many years in advocating for safety and safe shelters for women. There's a long way to go, but player safety and family safety is a higher priority now than in the 60s and 70s. Uh, uh, anyways, great interview and probably more material from Peter Young on sports media in Manitoba. Well, I hope so. Wrestling and a more involved discussion of pro teams of, in Winnipeg is warranted. All right, we're going to, Kenny, we're going to put that on the agenda. And while not impossible, it is unlikely you will hear or read about elsewhere in Winnipeg. That's what we strive to do. Absolutely. And uh, I'm just going to, like, put this in in bold and red, and I'll pull it out of the notes. And uh, I guess now we have a, an idea of which direction we're going to go with Peter Young, our very special guest, former uh, sports director, you know, most most famously in local parts because of his time at, at CKY, at CTV, uh, but uh, many other places, uh, including national broadcasts, uh, uh, CFL play-by-play, uh, so many great stories that Peter tells, and he was so generous with his time, and I look forward to seeing him again. And again, that 11-minute highlight reel, I will, I'll put the link here. You'll be able to, to take a listen, and hopefully uh, you'll enjoy it. Um, swinging back to why we're here. Uh, which in this calendar year is because after our coverage of the civic election, which we were only able to do because of your support for independent media, and there is none in Winnipeg, we're it. You know, rebel media doesn't cover this province. I'm not blaming them. I, they're, you know, they, the way they've grown organically is, has not incorporated Manitoba. And I've been a voice, Spirit Kenny with me, since I think he came in in 2007, <clears throat> both in terms of the Great Canadian Talk Show on TV, podcasts, but City Circus on Shaw TV, where, where we had a, a great run that, um, that allowed politicians, allowed elected officials, allowed city councillors and MLAs, political leaders, leaders in our community, um, Colin Craig of the Taxpayers Federation, Harvey Smith, count, uh, uh, late Harvey Smith, who taught me so much, Councillor Smith, uh, Councillor Brawati, Councillor Schwire, it's off the top of my head here, Councillor Allard, Matt Allard even came on. Uh, we've put in a lot of effort, we've broken stories, we've held those in power to account, we've called out media bias and inaccuracies, as well as complimented the good work. We've tried to highlight things. And here we are marching towards an election anticipated for October. And your support is vital to the success of this independent journalism. The links are going to be here, along with that reel. More support comes in, the more time we can spend. And I'm doing an investigative piece now that's... Uh, that's going to touch on provincial politics and two different ministers, I can tell you, involving uh, an, an incident with teenagers um, 
in this province in in the in, in this month actually in the month of February. Um, there's a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of research goes into stories uh, of that nature and others that 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 uh, we've done. The kind of work uh, that I do, and so you're you're invited to sponsor segments, to sponsor programs, to sponsor live appearances, to advertise with us, uh, etc. And uh, and um, we appreciate every gesture of support that 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 we receive that we've ever received. Uh, but here we are, it's 2023, and you're going to hear things that you're not going to hear talked about in other media. For instance, <clears throat> may or may not have been Aaron McDowell, although I may be mistaken, who took note of a, of a 338 Canada poll, Manitoba model, showing the NDP at 29 plus 11. This is as of February 5th, 2023. The NDP, 29 plus 11, the PCs. At 25, down 11, the Liberals holding Fort at 3. So this they reflected the seat changes, a swing of 11 seats. Um, the previous projection, the previous poll that I recall, this would show the NDP, I think, having actually slipped five points. I mean, they had 34 or something. So you see that the gap... It, would appear to be narrowing for, you know, for whatever value you want to put in the polls with regards to Wab Canoe trying to become premier, leading a, a very far left party uh, against a party that's been getting battered before Heather Stevenson took over from uh, from Brian Pallister. And there's a lot spoken and unspoken about the reasons why uh, and what's contributed to it. As the Tories gear up, for trying to defend their turf at the legislature. They're undergoing a nomination process. And uh, as part of that, you know, different characters uh, emerge on the scene, different ridings have become competitive because of the variety of uh, resignations, departures uh, from the, uh, uh, from caucus, from the PC caucus. Uh, and political parties, you know, there's a, Different kinds of candidates, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, the NDP used to run like very remarkably normal members of the community in rural ridings, but it's been so swept up now that all they run is literally, um, like there's only like three classifications of candidates for the NDP from the looks of it. That's basically like teachers, nurses, and and ideologues. Um, uh, political parties also have their own farm system. The NDPs use school trustees uh, in particular and, and completely outflanked the other political movements in this province in that regard and using the school trustees, uh, school boards as a farm system. <clears throat> as well, they have their own internal uh, uh, process for, gro you know, uh, grooming, so to speak, um, talent for uh, 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 bringing them through the ranks, uh, getting them exposed to policy and, and implementation and, you know, personnel, uh, human resources, you know, all these fancy terms. And some, you know, part of this process is they're, you're going to end up in a, you know, public, what is it? Public facing. Uh, well, sometimes things don't go as expected. Jordan Sisson was, uh, had a variety of positions in the Pallister government, uh, senior manager of regional cabinet operations, director of operations and stakeholder relations, 
So that's gatekeepering. And uh, a little bit of crisis management or, you know, figuring out what goes where on the on the pegboard up and down. And then, lo and behold, from November 2021, he was chief of staff for Heather Stephenson. Uh, was seeking the nomination in Brandon West. And lo and behold, according, I'm told, according to the Brandon Sun, I think on Friday, due to what he called family reasons, Jordan Sisson, is not going to be running for the nomination of Brandon West. So there's a high-profile candidate. The party spent a lot of time um, promoting uh, and promoting internally. And uh, it won't be his turn in Brandon West. Meanwhile, the departure of uh, Cliff Cullen in uh, Spruce Woods opened up that seat. Uh, and uh, immediately, pretty much immediately, a guy named Grant Jackson, who honestly I not, don't remember having heard his name previously. He's from Surus, and this is uh, a uh, riding Spruce Woods. I'm really not familiar with it, so I'm I'm sure it's you know part you know relatively newer, and I just haven't kept track of what is now called whatever in the last really in the last election and a half, I'd say. Uh, in any event, uh, this goes from like Rivers, Manitoba. Oh, we. You want to talk about a great wrestling town. <laughs> we did a show in Rivers a couple of years ago. That building was packed. I think it was for the firefighters. Boy, I hope they have us out again. Anyways, it's from like Rivers. It stretches, I um, I think, from, you know, way west. And I think it starts more or less at North Hill and Brandon. So it's sprawling riding. Uh, Grant Jackson. So a, a story that I picked up on him, because I'm not familiar with him, uh, was from... Uh, uh, discoverwestman.com uh, it said that uh, Jackson spent a number of years working at the local level for Larry McGuire and in Ottawa is MP McGuire's office in MP McGuire's office So he's and he's endorsed by Larry McGuire and now I see oh okay he worked for Larry for a number of years he transitioned to work in the Manitoba legislature and worked in Winnipeg for the past three years um that sounds a little vague. Sounded to me a little vague. Okay, transition to work in the legislature and work. Well, that's kind of redundant because we know the legislature is in Winnipeg. So they're trying to fill up space here, make it seem like they're providing information that they aren't. Hmm. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, uh, now, what was it that uh, Jordan Sisson, he was the chief of staff? Grant Jackson was a special assistant uh, to, he was a special advisor in the premier's office. I think he was probably an advisor to another minister as well previously. So here's a guy that was an advisor to the premier, and he's got competition himself for this nomination. Uh, which is kind of weird because it was set, originally set, I think, uh, I think, Memberships closed, I think, January 27th, and uh, and the nomination was going to be on February 11th, and then it was bumped to February 25th, because that's a very narrow window. And in fact, because it was such a narrow window, this came to my attention, because Shelley Glover, who barely lost to Stephenson in the race to replace Pallister, she endorsed a candidate sight unseen. She said she'd never met Linda McRae Walker. 
she knows of her work around Brandon and Westman, but she felt as a matter uh, of principle that the party needed to have processes where there is, you know, fair competition for uh, seats uh, in the legislature, for nominations in the legislature. And Shelley Glover endorsed this person who on the, on the surface seemed like, you know, very viable kind of candidate in, in that riding. And lo and behold, I never realized that Ray Walker was married because I never knew Ray Walker really personally, the longtime Brandon uh, broadcaster and I think uh, particularly known in the sports world. Well, this is Ray Walker's wife running against the former special advisor to Premier Stephenson in a nomination meeting that was going to be on February 11th, but got bumped back to February 25th. Uh, as I said, uh, Linda's been endorsed by Shelley Glover, who's also endorsed somebody else. And that would be Braden Mazurkowitz. And Braden, of course, uh, Certainly a, a well-known entity in political back rooms and in some cases in front rooms and uh, has had his name in the paper and other media from time to time. Uh, was certainly uh, notable in terms of his involvement with the Glenn Murray, the unsuccessful, uh, albeit unsuccessful, uh, campaign, which was just, I'm sure, hair-raising to work on and be around for everybody, the Glenn Murray campaign. And uh, he survived that, and instead of it driving him out of politics, it drove him further into politics, seeking the nomination in uh, in uh, Kildonan, uh, in River East, uh, North Kildonan, uh, replacing the retiring Kathy Cox, seeking the conservative nomination. I don't know that anybody else is, um, is running, but uh, Braden's uh, he's already accrued, and, and it's on his. Um, I mean, you just go to his his uh, his website, and you'll see this uh, accrual of uh, nominations that is pretty. You know, he's a people person to start with, and he's got extensive experience uh, federally, provincially, and as we see in terms of you know civic uh, in a civic direction. Um. He's put together right out of the gate a tremendous, tremendously impressive range of endorsements. Shelley Glover, as I mentioned, Dr. Ian Rabb, uh, Kyle Smalley, who's an executive assistant, the EA for Councillor Brawati. Uh, so very familiar with North Kildonan by definition. The past president of the PCs in Manitoba, Dale Smeltz, has endorsed Braden. Uh, this past weekend, two more. Chief Glenn Hudson. Uh, a guy I know, uh, Braden and I see eye to eye on the future of Manitoba, and I fully endorse his candidacy in Kildonan River East. Uh, he represents and respects First Nations. He's going to be a great representative of the legislature for all Manitobans. And Paula Avixbeck, who's uh, known Braden since he was a student at my class at the Asper School of Business in the mid-2000s and assisted on her winning campaign in Charleswood. So, you know, here's a guy who's um, eager. He's it, it, the party's trying to renew itself, and he's unorthodox. I think for for maybe the traditional the traditional types in the Manitoba Conservative Party, uh, but a lot of conservatism now has uh, you know moved towards you know a certain kind of uh, centrist sort of centrist practices with uh, with conservative values as a core. And uh, Braden's also proven that he's, uh, you know, he's clever. Um, he'd, he'd run a different kind of campaign um, if you were to 
you know, if he were to win the nomination and, and there's just, you know, how he, how do I put this? He could end up changing the way a lot of Tories in urban Winnipeg approach campaigning because they got to find a way to win or, or whatever. Uh, uh, and uh, notwithstanding whatever value there will be in asking questions about the background and, and capacity and capability of Wab Canoe and his NDP team, uh, Braden has a, uh, you know, he has an awful lot of friends and a, a as I said, it just a, a different way of coming at things. I don't want to call it necessarily modern, but it's modified. I mean, it is modern by definition. He's pretty sharp when it comes to the, you know, the backroom technicalities and, uh, you know, keeping track of voter intentions and all those other things that I've never, thank God, had to sully my fingertips with. I'm more of an ink-stained wretch. Uh, in any event, the list of endorsements, it's impressive. Uh, it be interesting to see if somebody tries to step forward and vie for that uh, seat to replace Kathy Cox. Uh, and uh, that would be two candidates there that I've just mentioned that have endorsements from Shelley Glover. And I don't know that Premier Stephenson is endorsing anybody in this process, I, I would guess, I would think not. No, I don't think she, I don't think her, any of the MLAs are, are allowed to. That's my recollection. In any event, uh, you know, nobody else is going to be talking about the campaigns like this. If you heard, if you really heard a breakdown like this on radio in Winnipeg or, or in any of the, any of the, uh, uh, Trudeau or otherwise subsidized columns or no, you haven't. And so that's a kind of, uh, kind of work that, that we want to do, the kind of research we do, just bring forward some some facts, some uh, try to keep the fiction to a minimum, try to keep the speculation within the bounds of reason, and try to keep your interest rate sky high as we head towards the 2023 provincial election. Uh, back with uh, more of the usual fun and games with Spirited Kenny rejoining me right after this. Citizen journalism is alive and well here on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast every week and with some intermittent midweek special commentaries and other features. We try to bring you some different perspective on what's going on in Winnipeg, Manitoba and uh, Canada, the national scene, uh, as we come forward with uh, ways of looking at things that you don't really hear from the narrative driven corporate media. Uh, and we bring forward issues. We break stories uh, that affect you, affect your family and affect your neighbors. Your support is vital to uh, the continuation of our doing this kind of work, especially because we intend to give the Manitoba provincial election of 2023 coverage like it's never seen before uh, to support us. You can look in the episode description and you'll see the link to PayPal. You can also email me Marty gold live at gmail.com. Uh, for advertising, sponsorship, uh, what have you. Your support is vital to ensure that this work continues, and this work is vital to ensure that Winnipeg has a full, honest, uh, and uh, insightful discussion on the matters that are affecting us and our community. And with your help, we're going to be able to continue to do so strongly all throughout 2023. Uh, welcome back uh, to the second part. Mike only be two parts this week we might end up with a third we'll see of the great canadian talk show podcast um uh, a couple of things i want to circle back to from from uh part one uh but spirit of kenny joining me now hey there kenny how's it going boy what a bit's a busy uh busy week and we had uh you know i didn't mention this off the top but we had a the annual used to be annual until covid laws interrupted 
mm-hmm. uh, CWE card for for Valentine's Day. In this case, it was a few days before Valentine's Day in Fanny Stell. And I've talked about that building before. The best wrestling hall in in uh, in Manitoba, and the, is just incredibly jam packed, <laughs> incredibly sardined in, and uh, the loudest crowd. And those of you that have seen any pictures of it, uh, might have seen me put a couple of pictures on Twitter or on Facebook, and I'll I'll drop some into the Facebook group, the Great Canadian Talk Show Facebook group. Uh, the lighting in that hall and just the the shape of the of the um, of the roof, the shape of the building, just lends itself to not just you know great action, uh, great action photos rather, but just like a tremendous atmosphere. And uh, looking forward to returning. To, we're already booked for next year, anyways. Awesome. And I mentioned and I mentioned in the first part of the program and talking about uh, um, Spruce Woods, uh, for instance, the the card that uh, that the fundraiser that was done for the firefighters. I think it's a volunteer firefighters department in Rivers, Manitoba. So it's the kind of thing I do on the side. I'm not dabbling with, you know, politics and talking sports uh, is uh, helping to, to produce. Uh, and uh, I mean, produce the literal production part of getting these kinds of events out in the small towns across Manitoba. And I'll be back in Saskatchewan next month. I don't know if I mentioned that to you, Kenny, that'll, that'll mess with the schedule a little bit as I make my return, my planned return to Regina and Estevan and my debut in oh, where is it is it weyburn york i can't remember where the first show is that i've been asked to attend uh okay uh, going back before i forget from the first part of the program i'm not sure that i mentioned braden mazurkowitz's actual website my mistake uh, and i haven't had a chance to re-listen to to that first segment it's vote maz maz.ca vote maz.ca you can see the endorsements uh, that i went through for Braden mazurkowitz and some of uh, you know some of his other uh, it would be campaign literature if it was in print you get the idea um, also, I'm not positive I mentioned it, but another story about Bobby Hull that uh, came to my attention, uh, and Bobby's, uh, uh, you know, about the Winnipeg Jets, the origins of the Jets, and uh, Hull's career and his uh, effect on the city of Winnipeg. Scott Taylor, front page of Senior Scope, uh, and that's on the stands, I guess, until March the 9th from the looks of it. Uh, and uh, a great story by my old pal Scott Taylor, I'll tell you, and uh, well worth reading if you see these uh, See this publication, free copy. Uh, I find it at Safeway. I don't know where else people find it, but I'm putting that one away in the archives as well. Um, yeah, I don't Scott know Taylor that... does does such a great job. And, and you know, I'm not I'm not sure. Didn't mean to talk over you, Kenny. I apologize, but I'm not sure that any Winnipeg outlets. I don't think anybody talked with Peter Young, and I don't think anybody talked with Scott Taylor. They they you know the people that knew the era, knew the time. They a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these uh, 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 people that now populate uh, the chairs in newsrooms mm-hmm. uh, and uh, commentators, they they talk about these things without even attempting to get any perspective or, or any feedback um, from people who lived through the era and 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 who had experience with the with uh, with, you know, that. Is a special time in Winnipeg. Uh, I realize Scott Taylor got here, you know, a- after um, after the Hull era, but in the relationship to his being a sportscaster and 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 broadcaster and covering the Winnipeg Jets all those years for the Free Press and and doing didn't he do TV color at one point as well? Uh, you know, amazing how they don't want to talk with the people who have some expertise. They'd rather just flappy vous les gums. There, look at that. Yeah. I'm bilingual. 
There you go. See, now in that first segment, it, it sounded like people that are connected to the government are having trouble getting nominations right now, right? Oh, yeah, they're connected to, to Heather Stephens. Well, yeah, yeah it's yeah. an interesting observation. I guess I was saying it without really saying it, but with Jordan Sisson, for whatever reason, not uh, standing for nomination in Brandon West and, and you know, in, in Spruce Woods, moving that nomination meeting, it, it was clear that that was a short timeline and, and a very short timeline. Uh, and, um, you know, look, political parties of all stripes like to have a smooth path for their favorite sons and daughters to march forward to nominations, put their names on the ballot and try to, you know, get them in a, in a caucus. Um, but I, you can tell that in rural Manitoba that the governing party in particular, because the premier was the health minister and a lot of these edicts and decisions and, and intuitions and we think and, and handing out tickets left, right and center. And, you know, pal, they're running against the Pallister record uh, that, that, that when you, in these small communities, when you're tied to a government, to an administration that closed down churches, that prosecuted or persecuted uh, preachers and small businesses trying to stay open. And, and it just it, it's doesn't doesn't play well among the base. And when nomination time comes, it becomes a lot harder for a party that's got that that existing record in, in Manitoba and other places, you know, and in, in Ontario, I'm sure it'd be the same kind of problem. Uh, Alberta, too. Uh, when you've got a record where you've pissed off people because you've tried to interfere in them having normal lifestyles without actual real good reason for it mm -hmm. uh, and and been oppressive and passed legislation where nobody could be charged for abuse of power after the fact. Well, you like you listen, if these people wanted to live in China, they'd move to China. They want to live in Canada if they see a candidate, uh, you know, like maybe not the case with Jordan because he's not going to be standing, but with Grant Jackson, you know, they may the 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 the. The member, the existing membership of any political party, may very well say, "Not so fast. We're gonna not gonna reward your giving special advice to the premier, you know, about how to handle COVID tickets and 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 how to enforce these these bizarre draconian edicts." And uh, you know, it's you could see that kind of a backlash, and um, and that's before we even get into the Ken Lee factor of how many people that Ken Lee signed up. What of those and then Lee was for no no reasonable reason ever provided by the Conservative Party disqualified from the leadership race. And instead of the party embracing the opportunity to have a, a skilled uh, a guy who's very skilled with numbers and very skilled with policy. And instead of giving him the opportunity to become the first uh, person of Chinese descent, you know, we could have had an Asian, you know, we, they decided they want to have a first woman premier. But somehow, the way the cards fell out, only one woman was deemed to be favorable to a lot of people within the party establishment. And so there's a, there's discord out there. But the bigger issue is, will they unite? You know, Braden Mazurkowitz, he wants to unite the party. Uh, he wants to unite not just the, the conservative party in and of itself, but he, he's, he wants, he's a can, the kind of candidate that wants to be able to appeal to, to those who don't feel they have a home in the uh, in the Liberal Party anymore, and those who feel that the NDP is just too extreme, too far left, and doesn't reflect their values. Uh, so, uh, yes, you, you've surmised correctly, people that are tagged with having been part of the Pallister administration, or too close to Heather Stephenson, 
yeah, it might be tough for them in the nomination battle. And uh, I, I think uh, also, you know, as I said, the pushback on a February, February, February 11th date pushback uh, uh, to um, to February 25th. And that, of course, is Linda McRae Walker that's uh, uh, running uh, for the nomination against, uh, you know, Grant Jackson would be seen as a favored son, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, good. Very good observation. Now. Uh, <laughs> Well, whereas every media outlet pretty much had something to say about Robert Marvin Hall. Let's take a look at how the media in Winnipeg covered the passing of a noted and notable, I use this term deliberately, citizen. Uh, And I know I was busy with a few things the latter part of the week. Uh, I was personally saddened to learn of the passing at the age of, I believe, 89 of Harvey Pollack. I only met Harvey in passing a few times. His, uh, uh, his son, Marty, is my age, very close. So I would intermittently, through Harold Spivak, other South End kids I knew, uh, and then my early days, I think, at U of W, I'd intermittently have something to do with, uh, with uh, Harvey, you know, see Harvey or his kids or whatever. I, I only saw him in passing a lot of the time. It's as I'll be able to describe, you know, around downtown. Um, Murray Oliver, uh, that would be a long time. He was with APTN, I think CTV. And uh, Murray, of course, the son of Craig Oliver. I've known Murray since he was in high school in Selkirk in the 80s. He took note of the passing of Harvey Pollock, his importance. Dave Manuke of Illegal Curve did. His grandson, Jesse, Jesse Pollock did. Joel Cates, who if I'm, and this is all on Twitter, if I'm remembering, if I'm identifying correctly, that would be Joel Cates who was the year ahead of me at Joselinski Collegiate, uh, noting the passing of a legendary Winnipeg council. I had the privilege of engaging with him a number of times, meaning as a lawyer, including several trips together to gods like a mensch and a real character. Uh, I only saw one um, link uh, put out by CBC to their story. I know the free free press of the story as well. And that uh, CBC story was done by Darren Bernhardt, who is not a native Winnipegger and did an excellent job on the story, uh, quoting uh, at, in large part Saul Simmons. Saul Simmons, uh, who I think like once represented me on a traffic thing in my 20s. But uh, Saul was part of my brother's elementary school, high school class was known, was known around our house. Uh, and I've known Saul basically my whole life and a great lawyer. Harvey was one of those people who had a very incredible reputation, uh, uh, said Saul Simmons. He was a highly ethical individual, has a vast amount of knowledge in many areas of law, an incredible personality, uh, both as a lawyer and as a person. Of course, uh, he was a world champion whistler in like 1977, he could be heard whistling throughout the courthouse all the time, always happy, always up, and he always had time for people. Now, I certainly saw Harvey uh, walking on Broadway or other streets downtown back in the day when I would be, you know, going to uh, look up things at the law courts or the Woodsworth building or whatever, and and I would see him in that guise. He also was a past president of the uh, of the Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra, had been a guest conductor. Um, he worked with Children's Aid Society before opening his own law office. And in 1970, because of his work with our with uh, First Nations communities, um, 
counsel for the Manitoba Indian Brotherhood when it was established at South the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs in 1970, Harvey Pollock was made an honorary chief for all of Manitoba's First Nations bands. And as Saul Simmons pointed out, he took a huge amount of pride in that. It was obviously uh, was one of those things that opened the door to the kind of Indigenous realization and actualization we are now seeing in a much more significant way. In 1988, of course, Harvey Pollock represented the uh, family of J.J. Harper and the Aboriginal Justice Inquiry. And he put a lot of hard questions and hard, hard realities uh, in front of the, you know, on behalf of the family, uh, in front of the public. Uh, and um, uh, there was retaliation against Harvey Pollock with uh, false charges. This, you know, the CBC story said the charges were stayed two months later when the alleged victim, an alleged victim of sexual assault, changed her story. Um, but the free press, if I'm remembering correctly, the free press story in quoting uh, Marty Pollock, uh, uh, that the the reason why the charges were withdrawn, uh, I mean, this was payback for Harvey Pollock's role in putting the police department under the microscope. Uh, I mean, there, 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 it was all a very unhappy time. Uh, in 1988, uh, Ted Hughes held an uh, an inquiry into these charges. Uh, the Free Press said the alleged victim said she never accused Pollock of sexually assaulting her when she spoke to police. So CBC said she changed her story. No, she didn't change her story. She said that that's not the story she told in the first place. <sighs> now, whereas the Free Press, CBC, um, taking note of the passing of Harvey Pollock, his significance. And, and again, like, here's a guy that built a bridge to the Aboriginal community between the Jewish community and the Aboriginal community that so many of the far-left, radical Marxist, uh, woke activists now would seek to destroy. It's funny how in 1970, nobody seemed to detect that Harvey Pollock was part of white supremacy and oppressing our Aboriginal neighbors. Well, his importance not recognized by a number of newsrooms in this city, and I'm naming names here, CTV, Harvey Pollock, do the search on Twitter, big blank, global, global news, Harvey Pollock, zero, Winnipeg Sun, and this surprised me, Harvey Pollock, I didn't get hit. Now, granted, I might have missed something. I might be blocked by an account that's tweeting out these stories that these uh, outlets may have distributed. I admit that. If I'm wrong, please let me know. I'll be glad to recognize it, but it looks like. CTV Winnipeg, no mention of the passing of Harvey Pollock. Global TV, no mention of the passing of Harvey Pollock. Winnipeg Sun, no mention of the passing of Harvey Pollock. But I save special note for no results for, quote, CGOB Harvey Pollock on Twitter whatsoever. Shame on CGOB if that's the case. Now, maybe one of their hosts mentioned something. Might have mentioned a newscast. But it appears that CGOB... It, are you like Harvey Pollock didn't appear on Peter Warren's show like enough times to at least warrant acknowledging his importance uh, in, in in the legal community, his importance to the, the general community, his importance to the Jewish community, his importance to, to the practice of law, the ethical practice of law to ethical policing in this province. No results for CJOB Harvey Pollock. Shame on you. Well, CTV did a story. They probably call him Pat Oswald. <laughs> and they would print no retraction. Well, yeah, of course not. Uh, I, however, take note of the passing of Harvey Pollock, who was, I, again, I didn't have a lot to do with him. Never dealt with his law firm. 
anytime I, I would, and again, you know, you walk, you'd see him walking with, let's say Saul Simmons or whatever, whatever, going to a hot dog cart. Yeah. Um, Guy, you know, the, this, how do I put this? The South End parents, like the kids I grew up with were from River Heights and Tuxedo. The South End parents, Martin Korn, I, I'm just picking somebody as an example. Martin Korn, uh, Harvey Pollock, Sid Spivak, they were so nice. I mean, to me, they were so nice to me. I and mean, there was a lot of respect that they had for my family, for the, my family's business back in the day, for Bell Bottling, for the other relatives I had that achieved success in, in, uh, in areas of public service, areas of, of the, the medical profession, et cetera. Um, the, it was, it, it was, it meant a lot to be acknowledged by these individuals and they all demonstrated in, in my presence, a, like a lot of class. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, it's unfortunate, you know, the passing of, of Harvey Paul, cause the end of an era. And I, I just wish that the, um, I wish that more of the mainstream newsrooms, this is a reflection, Kenny, we talk about it frequently here. It's a reflection of the demise of institutional memory within our newsrooms. Yeah. And especially because he's like a world champion whistler, you'd think even these these newsrooms that have the attention of, oh, look, shiny squirrel, you think they would have picked up on that even? Hmm. Yeah, not so fast. Okay, I got that off my chest. Thanks, Kenny. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I I mentioned I'm going to be working on a story that's going to have me come into contact or trying to contact a couple of provincial cabinet ministers with regards to something that's gone on with teenagers uh, recently in the city of Winnipeg. Uh, Councillor Gilroy is expecting me to contact her office. I was just too busy late last week. I brought up a question. Uh, she brought up a, a, a topic of online privacy uh, uh, for teens uh, and keeping their information secret. I raised the question more generally about society in general, but it would incorporate kids as well. And she asked me to direct the question, you know, to talk with her office and sort of pose the question in a way that she can find out what the civic direction or civic policy is about uh, certain kinds of certain privacy aspects online. I'll be doing so. I had the pleasure of sending a picture that I stumbled across of Councillor Jason Schreier when he was a child. I'm not, I asked whether he's seen it before or not. I don't know what the case is. It's a darn cute picture from when he was, I guess, around maybe seven years old. So we'll see what kind of response I get from him. I know that there's a number of, I've gotten a lot of feedback lately about uh, Councillor Matt Allard, who uh, he's making presentations at city council uh, at, at committee about a number of, of items that he couldn't get pushed through when he was chair of public works. And he's uh, very persistent, if nothing else. Um, uh, and I may have to focus in on that a little more, um, sometime soon on the various uh, topics he's bringing up. Um, but speaking and the city budget, which Kenny and I have not discussed whatsoever, uh, and we'll try to get into a little deeper next week, but I can say that it shows that the city is very incapable at cutting waste, uh, very incapable of cutting waste. Uh, this snow clearing budget still being you know, set at like 34, 36 mil when it consistently comes in at more. I don't understand what kind of a scam is going on that whether it's Bowman or Mayor Gillingham, I don't understand. Like maybe one of, maybe one of y'all can explain to me when we know that snow clearing is going to come in around 40 mil, why they don't just budget it that way. Yeah. I, I just like, what's this? One of the reasons why people don't have faith. They're 
signing it, it, it more in frontage fees more in 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 water and sewer uh, a, a property tax increase that's no not small potatoes for retirees for people on pensions and yeah. and and this is one of the reasons why they lack you know confidence in city hall as stewards of their money and if you want to see how the business community reacts just as i somebody else said this past week just drive down the north perimeter take a look at what you see on the west st paul side of mcphillips and some of that by the way is on the east side of uh, on the north side <laughs> sorry on the north side of of mcphillips is, is west st paul but on the south side of uh, of uh, of the perimeter Past McPhillips is also West St. Paul, and you see all sorts of development there that is not locating in the city of Winnipeg for a reason. For a reason. So we skip over a few other matters that we picked up on because uh, in the relation to sort of city councillors in general. Kenny, I sent you a story earlier in the week about an Ontario city councillor from Peter. Oh, oh, yeah. He was put in the position of defending his request for donations to be made to, be made to the local homeless encampment for, quote, weed and alcohol. That's fair. Hmm. Well, Councillor Councilor Alex Bierk, a first-term councillor, thinks it's fair. Uh, we need to meet the needs of individuals living outside and not impose our own, our own perceptions, he wrote on Instagram, requesting tarps, firewood, survival gear. Alcohol gave me the illusion of warmth on a day like today, and I couldn't function when I was in withdrawal. Bjork said on Twitter, he has previous experience with homelessness and addiction. He noted a few individuals are very uncomfortable by the mention of weed and alcohol. Homelessness is not a moral failing. People who are unhoused are not people that just don't know how to work hard, he wrote, adding, we will not enforce our way out of this situation. Kenny, you had a contact uh, through the through the biz, uh, the downtown biz, the patrol, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to give you a chance to interject at this stage about what this counselor in Peterborough was saying and whether you, how it reflects your own reality that, that you experienced. I mean, I mean, you're dealing with people that are addicted to substances, right? So when you give them, uh, when they, when you give them anything like this, it's not helping them in the long run, like short term, you're making friends. Uh, the addiction is abated, but long run, it doesn't help them and it doesn't help their families because chances are, you know, I mean, you don't know what they're like at home, but more often than not, they're not nice people at home, right? So, well, there's behavioral yeah. issues, sure. Another counselor, Dave Hack, took issue with the request per the Peterborough Examiner and said he'd be asking the city solicitor whether it's legal for a city counselor to request citizen donations of weed and alcohol. I mean, I, I, why wouldn't it be? Why would it be illegal? Um. Right? Well, I le- it might depend on the municipal or provincial legislation about whether you can donate weed, not necessarily to a specific individual, but sort of like to some sort of general catch-all. You know, like a an NGO that collects it. Like I've never heard of an NGO collecting weed or alcohol in this country before. Uh, this counselor, Mr. Hack, Dave Hack, saying, do, uh, personally, do I think it's something you should be doing as a counselor? No, but I'm not the final authority on it. Another Peterborough counselor, Matt Crowley, told the examiner on the surface, it does appear to be counterintuitive 
to request these specific items for a homeless community. Uh, but as someone who's never had an addiction issue or suffered through homelessness, he would defer to Councillor Bjork's judgment as to what is best when it comes to harm reduction and care for relating to our homeless community. Um, Bjork dealt with the blowback he got on Twitter by suggesting, by asking our people, some is guided. They think all of us in harm reduction are getting in the way of some magic scenario of recovery like you see in the movies. Encampment residents just need some tough love to shape up and find their way into an abundance of supports available. No, that's how he looks at things. Um, there's also a study that was cited in this report, a 2020 study in, I wish I knew what PLOS was, uh, that found cannabis to be cannabis to be reverse gateway drug among street-involved youth in Vancouver. In other words, that they would try to wean themselves from whatever, uh, blow, fentanyl, whatever, that they would use pot to try to manage themselves as they wean themselves off harder drugs. Uh, the, a majority of study participants over the age of, who had a median age of 21, said they consume cannabis daily, actually while, usually rather, while cycling on or off other drugs, primarily alcohol, opioid, opioids, and meth. Also uses a treatment for depression, anxiety, attention, deficit, hyperactivity disorder, and chronic pain. I mean, it just sounds uh, like they're having a good time already. What would happen if a city councilor in Winnipeg, what do you think the reaction would be in Winnipeg if it's one of the uh, more woke city councilors had had made a similar suggestion? What do you think the reaction would have been? I don't think they'd be too popular for the whole weekend. <laughs> well, maybe popular in some circles. Well, so, yeah. So, Kenny, I've never even heard, when I think of it, I've never even heard of, and I'm not, pointing the finger at anybody in particular, let's just say Street Links, St. Bonifacio mm-hmm. Street Links, uh, any of these other um, organizations that are, you know, out in the, actively in the community, um, uh, intercepting, uh, rendezvousing with people that are, uh, as they put it nowadays, unhoused. Um, I've never heard of any of them ever handing out booze or pot. Like, I'm, it's, if it was a legitimate part of harm reduction, why isn't it part of the repertoire of NGOs? I realize there might be a legislative reason, I guess, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like um, I, I can see it if you're trying to build relationships with the people downtown and you're like, all right, well, we're trying to c- come to some sort of common ground here. Um, it is a strategy that it can work if you're trying to go for like a long term trying to solve the issue over a long period of time. It's just like giving someone a cigarette where you're going to give them a cigarette and they'll probably stop and talk to you for about while they smoke the cigarette. Right. So it's just like trying to build really if it's to build relationships, try to get them uh-huh. off the streets in the long run. It's a good idea. But if it's just uh, like it, it looks like you're it's, saying it's um, got to be that, that this has got to be targeted as part of a relationship and not just a dump of booze and pot on a homeless encampment. The the fact that it's in the the newspaper makes it seem like it's more of a PR stunt to me that I, that's what I would worry about. I think that it got, that it got in the paper because of the blowback. I don't think that he went running to the paper. He did this on Twitter. So it's all you went running to the paper. Counselor so-and-so says, blah, 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 blah. Well, but yeah, doing something. Sorry, go ahead. Well, he had the suggestion. It got picked up on by the, by the media. I mean, politicians do things on social media in hopes of, 
mainstream media picking it up, right? He didn't he didn't not make it because he didn't want to get noticed. <laughs> well, good point. That's a good point. The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive in the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online thehivehaircompany.com. Kenny, do we have time to quickly pivot to the crime scene for a minute? We absolutely do. Just as we as we sort of wrap things up, um, we had spoken about the recent uh, homicides in Winnipeg and still unreported by the Winnipeg media. One of the recent deceased, uh, the uh, uh, fellow who was found, uh, James Lee James Boulette, uh, who was found in the 100 block of Selkirk Avenue. And only the Great Canadian Talk Show seems to have reported that he had prior involvement with a couple of other fellows five years ago uh, in relation to possession, unauthorized or illegal possession of firearms, ammo, weapons, etc. Three people have been charged in the murder of Boulette and Carl Westcoop, who was found at the Manwin Hotel. Uh, three men were uh, arrested aged 39, 31, and 54. One of these people arrested, you also have not heard from the media, not the first time they've been arrested in connection with a homicide. You haven't heard this, have you? No, no. Just over 20 years ago, Curtis with a K, Joseph DeLalo, who was then 20, was arrested after a 19-year-old was shot in the head after stopping in the back alley behind the Chalet Hotel. Lance Neubauer was a passenger at a Blue Cavalier that was flagged down by a woman about 4 a.m. in behind the hotel. Now, that's an unusual back lane to just be driving down, but if they were coming down um, Marion and somebody's like in the back parking lot kind of thing, you could see them and but I wasn't living here. At that. Like when I heard this, I'm going, what's shooting behind the chalet? I was not yet, had not yet returned from my business enterprises in on the West Coast uh, in Vancouver. I, that was October 12th. We're getting ready for the launch of uh, of the One Ring Circus of Brian Howell's book. So I'm like, what? I read the details of this. Once the woman stepped back, a man with a 45 caliber handgun approached the car and shot this Neubauer fellow at point blank range. Delala was charged with possessing an unregistered or restricted firearm and discharging a firearm with intent. All three charges were stayed during the second day of Delalo's preliminary hearing. So 20 years ago, this fellow was charged in a an ambush. Uh, the charges were dropped. Lo and behold, this individual once again charged uh, in a, a violent homicide. Um, under suspicious circumstances, we'll see what happens. I, I assume there'll be a preliminary hearing, and I guess we'll see what happens the next time this fellow uh, and his cohorts uh, that were arrested for those for this would be homicide number four, homicide number five. So you've got one of the victims had a prior criminal record, and the other one had been a person of interest to the police. I think that's a fair, neutral way of putting it. Also charged in the murder of the 31 year old Robert Sean Murdoch. Uh, first degree murder times two, aggravated assault times two, uh, and Ernest John Young would be the 54-year-old. Uh, all three were uh, detained. Um, one comment uh, that was made about an individual by an individual about an incident, apparently an incident in another downtown hotel recently, 
Uh, a security guard in downtown Winnipeg had his hand cut off with a machete two weeks ago. Holy shit. It didn't even make the news. Oh, this city oh is beyond God. this person who wrote it, who, who posted this is, I believe, a part owner of another what we'll call inner city hotel who uh, was held up uh, at some point has been called as a witness. Uh, had a shotgun or something pointed at them. And so they're telling the story that they've heard that a security guard had his hand cut off. This city is beyond dangerous with all these crazy people. It's effing funny until they're the person who gets shot or held up or assaulted waiting for a bus or traveling on a bus. Speaking of traveling on a bus, I told you we'd be back (laughs) with transit news. Uh, Kenny, did you hear about the court case of the fellow who was uh, convicted for almost killing a woman in a stabbing on a city bus? Like this year or last year? No, it was in September 2021. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, he got 13 years stabbing a 70-year-old woman who had just retired. Uh, King's Bench Justice Jeffrey Harris gave him an explanation. I gave him an opportunity to explain his actions to the court, but Peter Radaleshu, 45-year-old, pled guilty, offered no explanation to Judge Harris. Um, I. She was seated in front of him on a transit bus, this fellow, in uh, 2021. He stabbed her eight times in the neck, chest, and back. Wow. Uh, There was video showing passengers screaming, running off the bus. The victim had just retired after working 40 years in the beauty industry. Hovered between life and death is how the judge described it. I can't imagine the feelings of loss of security is simply doing what people do every day, riding a transit bus in Winnipeg. Are you listening, city council? Are you listening, the crown attorneys? Are you listening, the other judges? All of the passengers, said Judge Harris, who witnessed this attack, were in their own way victimized. Citizens should feel safe when they go about their day-to-day activities, act like this, shatter that sense of security. The uh, 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 ATU, uh, the union chiming in as well. This fellow got on a Westbourne Transit bus at Portage and Barrie. So he's going out towards Unicity at 2.15. We're still riding it 45 minutes later when the victim got on the bus at Polo Park. So he took the rounds with it, right? Yeah. Coming back towards downtown, she had been... Uh, going to Polo Park to do some shopping and have some lunch, and then was going back downtown, Get on, got on the bus. She took an aisle seat in front of this character 13 minutes later at Portage and Fort with no warning and no provocation. This is the quote. Pulled out a knife, raised it high into the air, plunged it directly in the side of the victim's neck with lethal force, stabbed her several more times in the neck and upper back before she turned around and stood up to look at him. He immediately, wow. without hesitation, drove the knife in the left side of her neck. She could feel him pushing the, the knife in her neck as deeply as he could. She realized he was trying to kill her. She grabbed his arm, causing him to drop the knife, which I was half expecting to hear that it was like stuck in her. Yeah. Uh, he yanked his hand away from the woman and exited from the rear door, did not say a word through the entire interaction. Uh, she was taken to HFC. Police found a knife, with, a large folding knife on the bus that had DNA matching the, uh, the accused. She suffered seven-year-old woman, just retired, punctured esophagus, lung and massive internal bleeding. No longer has full use of her left arm. Her vocal cords are permanently damaged. 
This fellow arrested by an off-duty officer uh, stopped at a red light when they saw him walk in front of the car on Portage. Uh, didn't disagree with this. He told investigators, questioning him about an unrelated incident. He was It was his intention to kill the victims in both cases. I wanted to kill this guy just like the woman on the bus. I wanted to kill her. Court records show he'd only been charged in the bus attack. He'd been using pills and alcohol at the time. There's no other evidence to suggest he was intoxicated, I guess, aside from his own confession. Uh, two of the free forensic reports said he made misleading comments, showed signs of malingering, making it impossible to believe anything he says. <laughs> his defense lawyer, Zilla Jones, a, a notorious lefty, said evidence of Radulescu's calm demeanor during the attack suggested a mental illness of some court. He always carried a knife with him. This is his lawyer. And had no plans to attack anyone. He was triggered by the victim's resemblance to his stepmother. That's the explanation he's given to me. I don't have another one. I'd like an explanation why it is that if the Crown is saying he had mental illness, the point where he would snap like that, why his sentence is only 13 years? Yeah. Why, why is this guy not? Wasn't he going to like a medical uh, lockup? A medical facility if he has mental issues. How is he any less crazy than anybody that was riding a Greyhound? <laughs> like, what's the difference? What's the difference, Kenny? Well, they don't murder people. This guy did. Or he tried to. I mean, I well, guess he's kind of a Excuse me, if they're both anyway. murders. But one, one was uh, viewed through the lens of uh, mental illness uh, taking away any control. But at least... In that case, there was uh, some kind of uh, mental health intervention in terms of the consequences of the of the of the of the uh, trial. Well, at least it wasn't the pills and drugs or, or, or an alcohol that didn't make him. Well, do that, it. well that's even worse, right? <laughs> that she's not. She, well, you know, he says it was intoxicated. This was own defense lawyer. He yeah. says intoxication. We don't really have any proof. I just think he's got a mental illness that makes him snap and try to kill a woman who's trying to enjoy her retirement. And and I, I'm not saying this. Like, I don't understand how the crown didn't insist that this guy never be on a city street again. That he yeah. never walk past the bus stop again. That he never get on a city transit bus again. Yeah, it's it's bonkers. Only 13 years for this, this is. uh it's 13 sad, really. years. Her vocal cords are permanently damaged. She doesn't have use of her left arm. And that's worth 13 years. Yeah. That's it. Now you know why people are extra not happy with the prospect of something happening on the bus. They know that the legal process will do nothing to protect them in any meaningful way in the future. Remember, yeah, there's there's a lot of people admitted, that are he worried. He admitted that he wanted to kill somebody else, and for some reason, those charges weren't laid. There's a lot of people that are worried about taking transit now. Like before, it was always kind of dirty, but now it's like. And then it was like, dangerous. well, maybe not at night. Yeah. And now yeah. it's a 24 hour, 25 hour a day. Is it safer to walk down some back lanes, or go, go on transit? Uh, one other thing before we, uh, before we uh, st strike strike a, 
a, a, a concluding tone. Um, at Ness and Mount Royal, a fellow was macheted this week. Almost forgot about that. A 50-year-old. Uh, they were passengers. Oh, Kenny, I didn't send this to you. The victim and suspect were passengers on a transit bus. Yeah, see, this is, yeah. Both disembarked at Mount Royal and Ness when the suspect followed the victim and attacked him with a machete, striking him in the lower body. That was on Thursday. Yeah, this one actually came up on our friend's friend's text group uh, just because it's close to where one of our friends lives. And he's like, this is bonkers. So he's so concerned now about uh, his family taking the transit. Well, everybody should be. All parents certainly should be. Everyone, period, should be concerned about taking transit. Like whether you're. That's crazy to have to say. This isn't Los Angeles. I can tell you that in LA, and I was in and around the uh, greater Los Angeles area for off and on, in and out of town for about a year and a half. um, I never once set foot on a Los Angeles surface transit bus. Not once. Is that why it was unsafe? Correct. It was considered so unsafe. I was told, don't take the bus. Now, you know, there was one time where I actually considered I was, I can't remember if I was on like Sunset Boulevard or, uh, or something like that. Uh, and, and, you know, these are like big, wide open streets, broad daylight. And just trying to get from like, get from there. And then I figured, well, you go back down towards, uh, towards the boardwalk, you know, or whatever. Uh, towards Santa Monica, get to get to the promenade. And instead, I walked quite a distance, dropped in a few bars and shops. Uh, um, I was having my, my, my vehicle repaired, actually. And then uh, I ended up taking a, a cab to the promenade to kill time. I did. And I easily could have taken buses there. No, Los Angeles, 20 years ago, don't take a bus. Winnipeg, 20 years later. Don't take a bus. Unbelievable. One last thing uh, in the relation to crime courts, public safety. I want to make note this weekend of the uh, fire on Main Street in the 800 block that took out, uh, uh, among other things, um, uh, the old location of Colonel Furniture Co-op, uh, the, 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 the house that Nick, that Nick Hill built, the retail kingdom that, uh, that Nick Hill built. And uh, we played tribute to Nick Hill uh in the past on this podcast he was very good very good to our podcast very good to uh very good to uh, to our radio program uh, uh uh when i was on in 99 even on cfrw i mean uh, nick hill took note that i had gotten on the air and uh had some very kind words for me uh i have to say uh and so that bur- pretty much burned to the ground uh, that winnipeg legend it. yes and lord selkirk uh furniture which was an important place because you get like cheap furniture, cheap mattresses, and a big loss to that neighborhood to lose that stretch of retail, uh, that long-standing. I, although I think I can't remember what the other place is called. Uh, I can't remember was called something direct, uh, and uh, I believe that that building had been put up for sale. Uh, in any event, uh, that's a challenged neighborhood. Needs all the help and get more loss of retail and 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 that part of North Main. And uh, the law, there was a mural of Nick Hill on the side of that building, and uh, that is now lost to uh, posterity, I guess, is a good way of putting it. Um, and so we take note of, uh, of that as well. Any other closing notes from you, Kenny? I'm sure we've gone more than long enough. Yeah, just throw in an interesting science story. Sure. So, Does it involve uh, balloons? 
well, uh, they just found another one. They just shot down another one over Lake Huron. Yes. So that's three balloons in three days. Yes. Which is kind of crazy. We're, we're on a roll. We are on a roll. Um, so I said I'd give you a weird uh, science story. So they started this uh, group out of uh, the University of, I forget which one. It's down in the States. But okay. they started to slice alligator DNA into catfish to make them what? more resistant to diseases. And, uh, Oy. and uh, yeah, so there's that, that, like, these that... supercharged catfish. Who wants the alligator DNA? Who who thinks that's a good idea? They do. They whom? Uh, let me just uh, just pop the story. They up. do. Oh, let's just make catfish more like aggressive. No, no, no. They're not more aggressive. They're more tasty. Oh, they're is... more resistant resistant to disease. Well, oh, I see. So they're more resistant to disease. So they're more receptive to deep fry. And and they they. Want to control these catfish from breeding out of controls, so they sliced in the new genes into the area where the catfish have their, uh, like the where they have their uh, reproductive um, genetic codes. So they don't, uh, they're more sterile than other catfish. That's their way of controlling these uh, catfish from getting out of hand, is by making them kind of sterile. They're in jet. They're they're splicing this DNA to affect the reproductive capacity of catfish, but make sure that they're more resistant to disease. Yeah, and they're so they also want to live lo- they want them to live longer, but not reproduce. Yeah, and they are two to five times more likely to live longer. You think people are worried about eating these genetically modified tomatoes? I mean, Auburn <laughs> <laughs> well, University. Look, you know, I was. Uh, Auburn does University. Does Popeyes in Winnipeg? Do they have catfish? Oh, I don't know. I never went to Popeyes to get catfish. I'm not a big uh, catfish person. Well, you know that was as, when a kid. That was like the 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 sort of code for not kosher anything was catfish, right? Oh, okay. Because no scales. Right, right. So uh, it took a long time till I tried catfish, uh, which. I mean, it's never been a go-to for me. Popeyes, Popeyes.com, I don't know. Why do I think that Popeyes had catfish? I don't know. Nutrition fat for Popeyes fried catfish. I, I don't know if this is in Canada, but cer- certainly in the States. And the nutrition information, saturated fat, 7 grams, 35%. Sodium, 820 milligrams, 36%. Total carbs, 19 grams. Total fat, 18 grams. Well, it's delicious and anyways. That's exactly the reason why they're trying to make these fish more resistant to antibiotics or uh, infections is because they want to have a, a stronger yeah, food stock. Well, so you can have a uh, catfish alligator. Deep fried catfish yeah. alligator, Marty. Uh, you can let me know just how good it is. Because... <laughs> <laughs> That won't be me. I, I'm going to hesitate on ingesting, knowingly ingesting modified alligator DNA in any way, shape, or form, no matter what the dipping sauce is. So my joke was, the story that I posted, is that these catfish, because they have these alligator DNA uh, or al- alligator genetics in them, have to be, like, jacked to other catfish. 
So they're probably going to try to mate with them all the time, and they're going to waste all their genetic material, and then they're just going to be the only catfish out there. Uh, See? See? We don't know what cat... It's very uncomfortable. It's better than some stupid sports science. Well, this guy can throw this ball this far, and this guy can throw this ball this high. Yeah, with X number of rotations every 10 yards. Just imagine if we sliced in some alligator DNA into some athletes. Well, I may not do them any good against the Eagles, but we'll see. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Okay, I I, want to again thank everybody for tuning in. I hope that we are providing you with, uh, you know, some entertainment, some information, some uh, commentary that uh, provokes conversation, provokes thought, provokes opinion, and... uh, and especially uh, as we try to pivot a little bit back uh, today towards the provincial scene, we're trying to cover a lot of things. And your help is, as I've mentioned, integral. The links uh, for donations uh, to advertise, sponsor the show. Uh, 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 hey, speaking engagements, the whole nine yards. Uh, we we want to make sure that this platform continues to grow. There's some things in the works. There's a lot more specialized audio from the past. From Winnipeg's past, it's uh, uh, coming forward. A whole batch of VHS tapes were uncovered, um, including the what was the origins of the great Canadian talk show before Kick FM. Uh, and uh, oh, really? Be, huh. Oh boy, huh. it's there's a whole empty shelf here now. I set aside a whole bunch of tapes with uh, just different different things I've done, different things that went on in Winnipeg in the late in the eighties in the 90s uh, and in the early 2000s, 2000s as well. So it's going to be a lot more thi- things of uh, curiosity and of interest. Uh, there may be a midweek special report because of a story that I'm working on. Uh, and uh, regardless of whether there is a mid- midweek report, uh, if the story breaks midweek, otherwise it will be broken. I'm confident it will be broken. We'll have a very, we'll have an exclusive of some form one way or the other next uh, next week uh, through the course of the long weekend, probably right after the long weekend. Uh, on this podcast, uh, and uh, and thank you to the people who've made donations and who've uh, who've uh, uh, supported this work. Uh, if this is making a difference, step up. Don't look to the left and don't look to the right. Look at look to yourself. You know, don't count on everybody else. That's, I guess, our job. Uh, <laughs> take the time, uh, whether it's through PayPal or through another means, to uh, to throw some support our way. Help us keep the lights on. Uh, help keep me. Uh, occupied with covering City Hall, covering the legislature, breaking exclusive stories, being able to do interviews with people like uh, uh, Peter Young, with the people from the world of of, uh, of politics, uh, with uh, other people of interest in our community. Uh, and we will continue to deliver for you the most unique content, content imaginable. You see how the newsrooms, corporate newsrooms, they got big budgets. They all cry the blues. They all say they're broke. They all get Trudeau money. They all... Th- Almost all of them fail to report on news that's actually important in Winnipeg if it doesn't quite fit their agenda. That's why half the newsrooms ignore the death of Harvey Pollack. That's why they lie about what went on with the Frontier Center and the appearance of Pierre Polyev. And that's why it's more important than ever that uh, that the Great Canadian Talk Show, the kind of content, the kind of news coverage that we provide, that it uh, is is has the resources we need to do the work to balance the narrative being put out through the mainstream media. I think I've managed to encompass that pretty well there. Yeah, that's pretty good. 
And so accordingly, on behalf of myself and Spirit of Kenny, enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your week. Uh, and more important and interesting news coming from uh, our side of the equation. And remember, as always, we remind you every week, you have the power. Thanks for listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at tgcts1.